do the intro. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Uticast today. Episode number 66. That's two-thirds the number of the beast. I don't know why that's relevant. Uh, anyhow, it's kind of a sports-heavy show this week. We have on the voice of Utica College Hockey and Utica College Football, Ray Biggs. Uh, we're also going to talk about the sad passing of Jose Fernandez and Arnold Palmer. Uh, we're going to pretend that we watched the debates. We have a little history lesson. We're going to talk about the 25th anniversary of Nirvana. And we're going to talk about some fashion trends that went out of style. All that and more on this week's episode of the Uticast. Let's do it. haven't done uh, mailbags in a while. So. It's true. It's true. They're piling up. So it's episode 66. Let's say... Which, by the way, real quick, I heard you cut in your intro from the green room. That is not the number of the beast. You six, need one six, more six. six. You well, need I, one yeah, more six. Two-thirds the number of the beast Yeah, we're 600 said. episodes. Well, I, well, I wasn't listening that oh. hard. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, so... I really thought I had a gotcha moment that I was gotcha. ready to drop on your head. Gotcha. Yeah, 666. The number of the beast. That's the song, right? Ooh. That's the... So go ahead. <laughs> no, I lost a tra- No, yeah, so I'd like to do maybe another all-mailbag episode at some point in time soon. Yeah. Uh, so send in those mailbag questions, folks. Uticast at gmail.com. Send us your problems, concerns, uh, queries about the world at large, and we will comment or assist you if necessary uh, with our podcasting expertise. Yeah. So uh, I've been talking about it a lot. Fall equinox happened last week. It's now officially autumn. <laughs> You really, I gotta tell you, you have been talking about the equinox a lot. I like you. You're like, it's like a little kid that just learned a new word, and so they're trying to use it all the time. Uh, no, the only reason I bring it up is uh, today, when I woke up this morning, it was 38 degrees out. Yeah, yeah, it was brick this morning. It was so cold. Now, I'm gonna share a little thing with you, uh, you listeners out there. Uh, since basically the beginning of summer until today, the windows in my room have been open. Mm-hmm. In full, pretty much open position with the screens to keep the bugs out so I can get that good cross breeze coming through my room. I like the air. I like a little wind. I got to tell you, rookie mistake. Rookie mistake to leave them open all day long. You leave them open all day long, you let the humidity and the hot air in. Mm. If you close them and you leave in the morning and pull the drapes, mm. your room will actually be cooler. And then once the sun goes down, then you pop them open. It's a good life hack. So, yeah, well, good for you to know here <laughs> after solid. the equinox. After the equinox. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so what happened is I woke up this morning, and I have a Chromecast on my TV in my room, and it tells you the temperature, which is nice and convenient. Uh, shout out to Chromecast, who does not yet sponsor us, but can if they'd like. <laughs> if you'd like. Shout out to Google. Good friends of the podcast. <laughs> good friends of the podcast, Google. Uh, and I said, 38 degrees. Whoa. Uh, so I got up to close my windows and go back in, in bed. This is like 5.30 in the morning. So <laughs> I... I pull my one window down, and it works just fine. I don't know if you ever had this happen. My other window had been up in the up position for so long that it was now stuck in the up up position. I was hanging, like, full body weight from this window, and it's just chilling. I'm like, ah, okay. I'm going to have to rethink this strategy. So at this this morning at like 5.45, I had to take a hammer out and a T-shirt and put it on the, the frame of the window and 
and tap it a bunch of times. Did you hear me knocking on the window this morning? No, I don't hear anything once I fall asleep. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, you are a better man than me because if I'm up, if like if I'm up, as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm up for the day. That's it. That's absolutely yeah. it. And I'm just there. And if I get up and like use tools to complete a task, <laughs> I'm certainly up for the day. I, uh, I perused some articles in the news about sports and other such things to prep for the show. It took some time out of my day. You know what? Honestly, the, the, the biggest thing that me as your co-host or whatever you're calling me this week and our listeners at large appreciate about mm. you is your commitment to the game. The commitment. Uh, you know, I go hard in the paint no matter win or lose. Uh, I want to talk about something though, because a Is lot that of times. Is Usos reference? No, okay. no, no, it's not. Go ahead. Um, well, speaking of the Usos, uh, I do want to talk about something, and it's a concept that I've been thinking about a lot lately. This was um, to bring you back to the historical relevance. This term, uh, imposter syndrome, was coined in 1978 mm-hmm. by doctors Pauline Clance and Susan Imes. Uh, what imposter syndrome refers to is this phenomenon where high-achieving individuals uh, are marked by this inability to internalize their accomplishments and thus have a persistent fear that they're going to be exposed as a fraud. I had this fear this fear a lot lately because I've been doing so much work and I've been spreading myself so thin across so many different things. Does that make you a highly accomplished individual? I don't know. Does it just make me a fraud? <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't tell. Uh, but no, and I and I'm sure that this is a concept that maybe there's some listeners out there who uh, who may be familiar with or are comfortable with. I don't know, Kev, if you have something you want to say about it. Or... I don't. Know, I mean, I was gonna let you do your thing, and then I was gonna concur with you and let you know because mm. I understand. Like, you know, I've been in my new job for about a year now, and I've taken it on. And there's some big responsibilities, you know, large amounts of people and money and things like that we have to deal with, and you know, goals we have to execute. And there's plenty of times where, like, you know, I'll have people, like, you know, my superiors, you know, my higher-ups, my bosses who are like, hey, man, you know, you're doing a great job. We love what you're doing. And, you know, they've they've compensated me for it yeah. and they've been kind to me and they're always nice. But there's still a lot of days where I'm in there and I feel like an imposter. Yeah. yeah. I feel like even though I know I'm doing the job, I still feel like I'm not doing the job in my head. Mm-hmm. So I know what that makes sense to me. Yeah, and it's just an interesting thing. And if you've never heard of this concept, it might be something that you've thought about in your mm-hmm. in your time before. Like, am I, you know, no, you can sort of quantify that feeling as a thing that exists. This is a real condition that exists in, like, high-achieving individuals. Well, I think that part of the reason that you probably see this and run into it with people, because um, I, I, be, I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of people who feel that way. As we get older and we get towards this age, you know, we're all 30. When you get in your late 20s, early 30s, um, I think, I don't know if it was the same way for you, but when I was a little kid, I always thought that once I hit being an adult, quote unquote, or a yeah. grown up or whatever, that there would be some change in my head that I would feel like, oh, I'm an adult. Mm. And like now, you know, I'm 30 years old. I, you know, I go to the doctors, I save for retirement, I have a job and all this stuff, but I still, I don't feel like an adult in my head. No. In my head, I'm still, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm still the same like 17 year old kid that wants to like listen yeah. to punk rock and like talk to girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of the imposter uh, syndrome comes from because as you get older, and I think as you get older, you come to the realization that mm-hmm. there's not really any such thing as grown-ups and yeah. we're all just sort of mixed bags. You know, yeah. you look at grown-ups with such reverence when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. Then when you get older and you become one or some version of one, I think you realize, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, you know, all just people with the same issues. And I, like I said, I'd be willing to bet and send in a mailbag question or get us on Twitter because I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people feel like imposters mm-hmm. in their day-to-day life, whether they are mm-hmm. or they aren't. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, and I think it, it's interesting, too, because, like, uh, unlike, it's, it's not all the time, right? Like, there are certain parts of my day that I don't feel like this. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the grad school thing is where it hits me the hardest. Like, uh, I just feel like, 
Sometimes you end up like you're grasping for straws, right? That's the other, that's yeah, the other yeah. thing that I fucking Ooh. I catch myself saying. Ooh. Ooh, I know. Right. You just you just f bombed them in the first segment. I didn't mean wow. to. It's a subtle one. It's subtle. Sorry, uh, guys. No, but I think the grad school thing for you is a good point because you're you know in grad school now. And you didn't really, like, you know, most people when they go to yeah. grad school, they make the decision yeah. and they spend six months to a year planning and getting ready to launch yeah. and to go to grad school. You had no intention to go to grad school, but yeah. you started this new job. They're like, hey, we're going to send you to grad school. We want you to go. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm I'm doing this. Yeah, that's the thing, too. The job itself, I knew it was coming. I had prep right, right. to think about it. I already mm-hmm. had time. And the job I actually feel really comfortable with. Uh, the restaurant... I'm, come on, it's hard for me to not feel comfortable in restaurants. Extra money dealing with beautiful food. Nothing, yeah, you know what's the what's the hard part there? The podcast thing that came back pretty quick, really early on. That doesn't really bother me so much. But the grad school thing, man, that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you didn't have any time to mentally prepare for it. You know, you just got yeah. sort of thrust into it, and now you're off to the races. I mean, I think you only started really talking about it what three weeks before the semester started. I kept it very close to the vest, and you've been. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed yeah. you being very sneaky about it. Um, actually, (laughs) I noticed you being very sneaky about it, but yeah, like, you know, you got thrust right back in and now it's straight off to the races and you've been out of school now for a couple of years. So you're a little out of practice, a little rusty. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like riding a bike though. I'll just jump right back on. Although I am a terrible bike rider. I've seen you drive a car. (laughs) I've seen your general level of coordination Uh, anyway. I've seen you dance. I can imagine that uh, the bike riding might not be... I just want to dance sometimes, though. <laughs> you just want to dance with somebody. I just somebody. want to dance with somebody. <laughs> I want to feel the heat. That's right. No, that's enough. We'll that's, take a break. Yeah, please. That's I, enough I need that. a break. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. Tony, back once again with your glass of white wine. Yes, of course. Sparkling white wine. How you doing today, buddy? Fantastic. Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Why do you ask? Uh, <laughs> why do I ask? I heard you struggling early this morning. Oh, you heard me struggling. Yeah. <laughs> you heard me. I was just telling him he had a battle with the window. Is that, yeah, it was either that or he was yeah. protecting all of us from a burglar, was, but I'm not sure. Or he was just like killing Parkinson <laughs> Something and was chopping happening. up the body. Yeah. No, no, I was telling Kev my window was stuck in the up position and I couldn't pull it down with my own body strength. <laughs> so I had to get a t-shirt and try and mute me using a hammer to knock uh, the window oh, back into place. Man. So sorry if I woke you How'd up. How'd that uh, go? Successful. Yeah, you didn't break the window. No, look, I'm, men are defined by the tools we use, and I used tools correctly to the benefit of my uh, my personal brand. It's so, what, you know, you know <laughs> separates it from the animals. <laughs> from my <laughs> personal brand. Yeah, That's yeah, very limited limited yeah. tool use there. That's some uh, real market speak right there. Well, you know, I'll tell you what happened. In the magic of podcasting, things like this happen. Between uh, segment one and, let's call this A Block, uh, Kevin and I ate something we had not eaten all day you know that they say like breakfast is the most important meal of the day any meal is also the most yeah, important meal true, of the day yeah. and uh i true. realized that I i'm glad eaten. i'm glad we made something small because i actually me and cliff went to lunch today and i had a killer meal 
that new place, Old School, in East Utica. Oh. That the Rose Boys open up. Best steak sandwich in town. And their fries are like these crispy little home fries. Yeah, they were good. It was awesome. Cliff had long hots for the first time. First time. How about wow. that? Yeah. Well, that kind of kills my... I was going to do a, uh, a thing where you were podcasting hungry and we were podcasting full. And if it was going to affect the way that we... See react. how we perform? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's about as light as I feel like we should get. Right now, that's that's the only light segment. You want to bring it down a little? We, I, I think we can bring it down. Well, we're gonna have to bring it Let's down. Let's get a morose bit. for these people. Let's get morose. They this don't is... want us so upbeat. <laughs> uh, well, listen, there there are two passings this week, and I know that this week is a bit of a sports heavy show between Ray Biggs being on the show and his interviews very sports oriented. So, I'll try really hard to not focus on the sports angles of these two gentlemen who we lost this week. But let's start with the first one. Uh, Miami Marlins ace starting pitcher Jose Fernandez uh, passed away this week uh, after a boating accident. He was 24 years old. Um, I don't mean to make light of this. People say uh, he may have been under the influence, which I say, well, yeah, he was on a boat. He yeah, wasn't. I hope so. He wasn't driving, yeah, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, um, right. But uh, you know, the Marlins canceled the game on Sunday. Quick overview of uh, Jose Fernandez, just for the sake of argument. Uh, he emigrated from Cuba in 2008. Uh, following three earlier failed attempts to do so. Um, At age 15, 15, he spent spent time in jail for getting caught trying to come across to Cuba on a boat, Mm -hmm. or come across from Cuba. Uh, He was the 14th overall pick in the uh, MLB draft in 2011. Uh, In 2013, he was the Rookie of the Year and also won his first All-Star award. He's won a second one in the next three years. Uh, not that stats matter at a time like this, but just to give you a context for what kind of player he was, he was a legit ace starting was, pitcher. To break it down, if you don't care about stats and you're yeah. a baseball person at all, what it, it's you know, this is the saddest thing in the world because this guy's 24 years old. Uh, he was expecting his first child. Yeah, coming on the way. Yeah. Uh, he's he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, mm. and he was projected to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, this is a guy who. You know, barring if you know if his health held up or obviously yeah. something happened, he was going to be a sure thing Hall of Famer. And what everybody says about him, because I haven't been following baseball much this mm. year, so I haven't seen him play much. He's in the National League, and I only yeah. need to pay attention to the Yanks. But it, uh, by all accounts, he was. I was watching a bunch of video and stuff because there were obviously clips all over the internet. Mm. He was a guy who had so much joy and exuberance for the game, yeah. and made games so much fun, and he looked like a little kid out there playing. And to play that way. To have that crazy backstory and to be gone so young when you're so, so talented. I mean, it would be sad if it was, you know, any player. If this happens to anybody, it's always a sad thing. But to see it happen to one of these young luminaries, ambassadors of the game is, I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. There's something very unsettling to see somebody so young with so much potential. And I know that there'll be people out there who are like, oh, well, sports, whatever. It's not about that. It's just about a young person who is just reaching the peak of their, a person in the spotlight just in this scenario, who was reaching the real peak of their potential, and to see it sort of taken away is just, uh, it's tough, especially when, and this is going to sound weird, the guy's six years younger than me. It's weird yeah, to put that right, in context, yeah, someone yeah. who's that much younger and that successful and still trending upward to see something, I don't know, that, that shook me a little bit. I was a little disturbed. And it's, it's you know, and it makes it even sad that it was an accident. Like, it's something that, I mean, mm-hmm. they were boating at night, they ran up on some rocks, you know, if you're going, if you're moving on like a speedboat and you run over some rocks, that boat's going to launch, it's going to flip. Mm. And it's just, it's it's such a sad, senseless, awful, awful thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, man, that poor guy's family, everybody on his team. I can't imagine going out and playing games now with this guy gone who's uh, a leader in your clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, they canceled the game, like, you know, the day of yesterday. But they, I don't know how you play anymore in the season. 
Uh, Cliff, do you have any hot takes about Jose? I'm sure it's not. No, I mean, you know, it's not really my wheelhouse, uh, and you guys know that, and I... I just know how much I'm desensitized to these kind mm. of things, and that's really a shame because, uh, I mean, to me, it's just another example of potential lost. And this one, I think, hits a lot more people because of his position in yeah. life. Um, but I feel like we all probably know somebody who mm. was lost too young or we are at least familiar with someone who was lost too young. Mm. And it's a lot of lost potential. So, I mean, if you can flip it around and make a positive thing, just do something positive for yourself or for yeah. someone you care about always then that's always the advice mm. at times like this and yeah i think you know you you hit on a good point about you know you get desensitized to these kind of things sure and i think that's what impacted me most when i was reading about it today is because i am so desensitized to you know not only death like in you know my regular life and people that i know but like also you know famous people and athletes and celebrities and whatever you know dying all the time we've lost just you know just this year so many you know great people that everybody's familiar with have passed away that when something really yeah. sticks out and I take him and I'm really like, damn, yeah. that's sad. That's how I know that it's yeah. like a unique circumstance because I am pretty desensitized. And I was reading about this one today and all the details. I'm like, that's just, man, saddest this, thing in the world. There's nothing else you can say. This no. is going to sound really weird, too, and I just want to throw this out there. I played a lot of fantasy baseball. For the last 10 years, I've been playing fantasy baseball. And, and in a weird way, it's going to sound weird to people who aren't into sports the way that I happen to be. You get sort of attached to these players that you find in yeah, over the years sure, like you course. know what i mean like i drafted jose fernandez many times yeah. i liked him i like every year i was like oh yeah he's gonna be a stud like i always just thought about it and this is not the first time that like a young athletic prospect is this happens more often than not like this happened a couple years ago with mm -hmm. um oh god what's his name it's gonna throw me off i don't know this guy for the cardinals has happened to it was very sad same oscar Tavares. he died like two years ago it's yeah, the sure. same story another five tool young athlete cut down you know, just just weird, just a weird thing. Sure. Um, um, there's there's one. If there's any one light note to be put in there, I saw today that uh, Yahoo News, fresh off the heels of getting 500 of their accounts hacked and the largest hack of all time. Yes. Uh, they put out on Yahoo Sports today. They put out an article talking about how the Marlins have given Jose Fernandez an extra day of rest, and now he's listed day to day to make his start in the game tonight. Oh wow! Some God. editor somewhere at their company God. let that through, and they just Jeez. like he's like gets an extra day of rest. He's moved from like that, you know, the healthy Ooh. players list to like day to day, and it's one of those things where you can see where that'd be like a weird little oversight or accident or something. Oh. But God, you got to run a tighter <laughs> ship than that, <laughs> guys, especially Yahoo. Yeah, right? Yeah. If you just got five hundred accounts compromised, guys. you got to tighten uh, up. They were a little distracted, I guess. Hmm. Um, I had to look it up really quick, but I do have this episodic memory of like a moment in my childhood. Um, where Reggie Lewis from the Celtics passed mm. because my dad mm -hmm. was a really big Celtics fan and yeah, um, yeah. and I just remember being in the mm. pool and hearing about it. My grandparents used to have this awesome pool and him telling me about it and him actually being like upset about it and yeah. I don't generally process these things that way but I do remember that moment in time and exactly where I was mm. when I found out about that and it's just mm -hmm. a strange set of circumstances. My dad always talks about Thurman Munson in weird hushed tones in that same sure. way. I think men of a certain era talk about that as like the thing they remember. Uh, and sadly this week, we're not done talking about this, uh, Arnold Palmer passed away on the same day last Sunday at the age of 87. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to... 87, whatever, nice life. Uh, <laughs> Love your drink. <laughs> uh, quick, uh, very quick, I'll just give a couple quick things about him though. Uh, he was one of the first uh, real big stars of sports on television. Uh, television sort of came into its own era right. in the 1950s when he was coming up. Uh, him... Gary Player uh, and, of course, Jack Nicholas uh, are considered the big three who really... Uh, it's important, it's important yeah. to say you're talking about a golfer. Golfer. That's the thing that yeah. you have to Arnold say. Arnold Palmer. Because not a lot of people... 
I would bet that more people in today's day and age know about Arnold Palmer because of his drink. Drink mogul. Really? Yeah, for huh. sure. Nobody knows who the hell Arnold Palmer is anymore. Really? Absolutely. Huh. Well, uh, look him up if you're not. USA Today did a really nice write-up of a lot of the things he did. Actually, yesterday, it was, it was it's a good read if you've never heard of him. He, he did a lot of fascinating things and met a lot of presidents, did a lot for our country. And he is where the half-and-half half iced tea um, lemonade come from. Yes, he is where the half-and-half half yeah, so iced tea lemonade. Yeah, you're welcome, yeah. guys. Uh, let's get into some real some real comedy. Uh, we're going to pull back <laughs> curtain like we like to do here on the podcast. Uh, we film on Monday nights, tape on Monday nights, whatever. Uh, the debates, the presidential debates are going on in like an hour, yes. I suppose, right? Yeah. Yep. So we're not going to see the debates before we talk about them here on the podcast. So I guess we're just going to make some rash generalizations about what we assume is being said. Yeah, I think debates. that we could see how accurately we can predict see, it. Do you want to predict you it? Just, just call it like we saw it already? All right, so I think that Donald Trump uh, probably said something offensive and ridiculous right off the bat to get the crowd going. Uh, I'm going to go insults Hillary's health makes reference to Jennifer Flowers. Hmm. Donald Trump will lie. <laughs> Hillary will lie, but just a little bit less. Um, Probably about something bigger. Hillary will cough. Donald Trump will stumble over his words. Um, and everything will still be awful tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to say the moderator is a pushover mm-hmm. and a network TV shill. Um, Donald Trump doesn't know who he is when he gets there, nor after he leaves. Mm-hmm as he's already called him a member of the Democratic Party, um, and he's not. Mm. Um, And uh, let's go over under on Hillary making it through the debate. Mm. Without what, dropping dead? Yeah. Over. 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 Uh, We're feeling good. We're feeling solid on her health. Over under two email references for Hillary. Over. 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 Yeah, strong. Over 20. Hmm. Two dozen. Over Over under one referencing Vince McMahon head shaving that Donald Trump was a part of at WrestleMania. Uh, Under. Sadly, under. Sadly, Sadly. under. Hillary needs to work that that into her arsenal. That happened, guys. Donald Trump shaved Vince McMahon's head WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, just think about that. He needs to be introduced. He'd probably get more play if he was. There's going to be a lot of scathing content to read on the internet tomorrow. I will say that for sure. Wouldn't it be fitting if Donald Trump just started coming out to Hulk Hogan's Real American theme song? Ooh. I feel like that would tie really nicely full circle into into the world we live in today. Let's not drop any more hints his campaign's way. <laughs> uh, look, uh, so we're not going to watch the debates is what we're getting at here tonight. I bet you that at least half the things we just said will probably happen. I, uh, I'll tell you, one of the main reasons I'm not watching the debates, uh, besides the fact that it's going to be a horrible car crash... But also another reason about it is because <laughs> a good reason. I don't want to take, I'm looking forward to having that time tomorrow. Like when I get mm. into work and I'm drinking my morning coffee and reading the news for the day for a little bit before I get started on my stuff, I'm looking forward to all the content. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to as well uh, is all the Facebook chatter content and comment boards I can read tomorrow at about 10 o'clock to see people arguing about who won the debates and then seeing I... close family and relatives agree or disagree. Oh, oh my goodness. Nothing separates a family like a Facebook feed. See, oh, see, close, yeah. close family and friends, all lives matter in the people. Um, oh, no, I, I, my I, goodness. I, I got to tell you, I, I, this, <laughs> I don't know if it's directly because of this election cycle, but it's definitely a contributing factor. I have all but abandoned my Facebook I yes. still get on there. Yeah. I do it for like work things for like, you know, I check relevant made new content, relevant work content, things like that. I'll get on if somebody tags me in something 
or I'll glance if there's something specifically that's brought to my attention. But like scrolling through the feed, I just can't do it. <laughs> and a lot, of it, like I said, it's not the only reason. Like I'm I'm busy with it. I've sort of moved away from a lot of my social media in the last like year or mm. so. It just doesn't hold the same enrapturement from anymore. I might have just made that word up. Enrapturement. We're taking it. Uh, take it. Yeah. But it doesn't hold the same. But part of it was because every time I'd be scrolling through. And there'd be somebody who I like, whose opinion I used to like, like, and yeah. I don't want to say lose respect, but people exactly. saying stuff where you just want to be like, you idiot. <laughs> then I got to the point where I'm like, I can't like just be like losing all these relationships in my life for watching these people and being like, actually, and start keyboard warrior and yeah, shout out to Derek. Um, <laughs> but going out being a keyboard warrior and you know getting in fights and destroying these relationships with people, I just can't read it about people. Yeah, it's I can't weird. do it, man. I got sadly caught up. I didn't get, I didn't comment on it, but I did get caught up watching a couple people who I like personally have a disagreement on Facebook, and it was tough. It was like, man. It's tough because you want to jump into uh, the fight. Almost. I just want to be involved. I can't. Here's a bad idea. Don't do it, guys. I kind of grew up with the, like, I have a different political orientation to the rest of my family. But now Facebook just kind of highlights that, and I just yeah, get that sure. stream of, like, I don't think like you do. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty tough. I've never been a big Facebook guy, but I am definitely not one right now. All right, well, I think, I think that's fair. So, yeah, Facebook is the devil. Uh, we're not watching the debate. Uh, Facebook is the devil. Trump is a false prophet. Here's the interview. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how you do it right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ray, before you got here, I did do my my due research uh, on your Facebook and Twitter pages to see what I could find to talk about. Because uh, sometimes I do these interviews and I know people, and sometimes I've never met them before. And I've never actually met you before today, but I know about the good work you've done, so this is kind of fascinating for me to have you here. It's a real pleasure. Um, I noticed, though, that you were hanging out at the Barclay Center in my beloved in my beloved Brooklyn, New York. What were you down there for? I was down there for uh, WWE SummerSlam weekend, actually. Oh. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. My God. buddy got us. Oh, I was hoping that was it. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> my buddy actually got had a pre-sale code, hooked us up with it. We had some nice seats upstairs. It was a little cramped up there. Venue was a little small, but otherwise it was a great time. So you went to all the events. You went to SummerSlam and the NXT? I didn't get a chance to go to SummerSlam. Oh, Those tickets were going to cost me yeah. a little bit more money than I had. But you went to the NXT one? Yeah, I That's did go to awesome. TakeOver. So oh, I saw Nakamura take the belt. Oh, I saw Bailey's Farewell. We're very pro wrestling on this show. It scares away a lot of the listeners, but I I don't care. It's one of my my fa- my favorite things in the world. So you're gonna watch Raw tonight? <laughs> I'm very much hoping that when I'm done with this interview, Raw will be just starting. That's generally how it works. Mondays are tough for me because I mix the podcast before Raw starts. So there's always this weird time limit. I'm like, all right, how much can I get done before Raw starts, and how late do I want to stay awake tonight? And sometimes Raw lets me down. Sometimes I watch it and I'm like, yeah. I made a mistake. Like last week's Raw was just. Meh. I don't know. It was just not my favorite. Like, I feel like there's an obsession now with trying to create triple threat matches. When I was living in uh, in, in thigh I lived there for a long time, uh, me and my roommate were big Ring of Honor guys. We'd go to all the independent shows. So we were very involved in uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico, a.k.a. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. 
So for me right now, the fact that Kevin Owens is the champion is like watching one of my children graduate. It makes me so happy because I, he was like this guy we all loved. And we're like, he's never going to get anywhere. He's too like fat and he's too weird, but he's so good. He's my favorite thing in the world. I don't know. That's my, that's my yeah. hot Kevin Owens take. Uh, we've gotten a lot into wrestling, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to bury the lead here. Uh, you've done a lot of great work. What would you say your byline is? I try to come up with a byline for you, but it's a little hard. You have a lot of credentials. Well, I think the lead one would be play-by-play voice Utica College Football and Hockey on mm-hmm. ESPN Radio Utica Rome. I think that would be the lead one. That's Wonderful. where it starts, and it all builds off of mm-hmm. there. Wonderful. And uh, you're also doing your editor for D3Hockey.com as well? Yes, I am going into my third season now doing that. Nice. I heard it from a friend of mine, actually, that lives out in Minneapolis. His best friend from college moved to Whitesboro oh, a few nice. years back, so I got to know him that way. And, mm-hmm. of course, my involvement in the game helped as well, so... Interviewed him enough times to the point where he trusted me, gave me the keys to the site, and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. I love it. Nice, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, you're also you're also doing stuff for the Blue Sox as well. Yes, I am. I uh, just wrapped up my first season as the play-by-play broadcaster for awesome. the Blue Sox, and it is worth noting. I was I actually did do a previous tour one season with the the original with the Utica Brewers. Oh, the Brewers. Oh, okay. Wow. Back awesome. in uh, 2013, did that for a season. I was a little overloaded at the time. Yeah. Decided to step away for a bit. Filled in on public address mm-hmm. for a couple years, and then when the name change happened, the ownership change happened. Yeah. Um, my good buddy Jeff Pexton got involved as well, a guy mm-hmm. that I work with throughout the year. Yeah. And it was the perfect time to come back. And sure enough, I'm really happy with that decision in yes. hindsight, especially with the year they had. Mm-hmm. Great kids to be around, great coaches, great management, everybody. A lot of our uh, a lot of our crew in Maiden Utica uh, did a little business with them, especially our, our good buddy Mark Simon, who does a lot of photography for them, and he he got really caught up in how exciting this season was as well. I'm, I'm glad that it was successful. It was uh, hot story back in the day when the Blue Sox were the triple uh, the single A team. I used to be the bat boy for the Blue Sox. It was a weird gig. It's strange to get abused by baseball players. <laughs> At the single A short season level, just starting out, just straight out of college. Yeah. <laughs> Not really sure what they've gotten themselves yeah. into yet with a career in professional baseball. Yeah, they were. It was a strange scenario. It was weird to be in that locker room. Uh, but I want to get. I want to start off with you in general. I did a little bit of research uh, before we get into the sports stuff. You were born in Newburgh, New York. Yes, I was. I am. Born and raised from down there. My father moved down there about 30, 40 years ago. He's from Utica. Awesome. Moved down there to find a job. Took a job with a uh, large multi-product conglomerate. I think that's the best way I can put sure. it. But he primarily focused on pharmaceuticals. Ended up transitioning into auto care products okay. and stuff. So he's been down there ever since. And uh, also holds a degree from MVCC as um, well, which nice. is, I, I think, worthy of noting. But, um, yeah. The thing that really drew me back here was the opportunity to go to college, live with my grandmother, stay around my family. It was, sure. it was a great choice. Uh, is your family still, is you still have family in Newburgh now? Yes, I do. My mm-hmm. mom and dad are still, still there. Yeah. You still get a chance to see them at all? You got- yeah, they come up regularly. I'll stop on by down towards the city every mm-hmm. so often. As I said, we were just talking about yeah. <laughs> uh, going down to Brooklyn earlier. I got to catch up with them down there a little bit as well. My only concept of Newburgh basically is the throughway stop on the way that I see when driving to New York since I spent so many I've probably made that trip more times than I care to admit that, that throughway driving is brutal. <laughs> yes, it is. And let me tell you something. You get off in Newburgh, there's not much there. <laughs> there's a reason I've stayed here as long as I have. And I, that's because there's just so much to do here relative yeah. to what's really? available down there. You wouldn't think, you, <laughs> but it's actually the honest to God truth. Now, you were all the way through high school in Newburgh? Yes, I was. Mm. What did you do in high school? You were you playing sports out there? Were you just yeah, doing your thing? Yeah, I actually was a cross-country track and field oh, nice. athlete. Nice. I was in band as well. What would you play? 
I played the baritone horn, the euphonium. Wow, baritone. Filled in on the drums a little bit for marching bands, necessary. Hmm. I'm getting vibes. I was a baritone saxophone player who also ran cross country, so that had a lot of. It's tough. <laughs> so we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same wavelength here. Did you? Um, let me ask you this: Did you? Was cross country your first choice? Because for me, I had tried out a bunch of different sports and sort of fell into cross country because it made the most sense after time. Well, it was kind of a multi-step process yeah. for me. My parents tried to get me into golf, and you know how frustrating golf yes. can be, especially for an eight, nine-year-old kid yeah. with very little patience, very fidgety. It's that frustrating as an adult. <laughs> oh, and the funny thing is now I've grown to love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, then I I really would have, would have liked to play hockey growing up. I lived around the corner from a rink. That never happened. Mm, yeah. My parents... Thought it would be okay to give lacrosse a try, but that never really worked out. I wasn't going to make my school's junior varsity program mm-hmm. anyway, so I decided to give track and field a try. Yeah. My seventh grade year was incredibly slow. Mm. Yeah. Literally the slowest distance runner in the pack in seventh grade. <laughs> I know that was me. No, no question about it. I, I, I own it now. But uh, I stuck with it. Stubbornly, I stuck with it yeah. for a good ten years. Yeah. You know what, though? I think... Specifically with cross country, because I was not very good at cross country either, but I appreciated uh, the camaraderie of being on the team, and I it did make you feel better. Like I, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, but you know, the more and more I did it, I sort of carried some of it into my later life, and I and I appreciate the things I learned from it. I took some of that with me. So yeah, it definitely it, teaches you if anything. You still running? Uh, no, not really. You nice. know, I've kind of cut it back over the years, yeah. and I, my broadcasting career taking off the way that it has yeah. definitely influenced mm-hmm. that as well. But it got mm-hmm. to the point, my, at the end of my junior year at Utica mm-hmm. College, I was losing airtime left and right on Saturdays to go to meets. Yeah. I knew I had an opportunity to do something with this, and my legs were just completely mm-hmm. beat to oblivion at this yeah. point. I mean, it, it was a good 10 years, you know, towards the end running... 50, 60 miles a week sometimes, and my legs just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, it's funny, because I, I love to run, but I, I'm aware that like running in general is not great for your joints and your body. Like, it is not. A physical toll. You know, it's great for your great cardio, great for your lungs and all that, but, you know. Let's get into that, though, because a little bit. I see you went to both MVCC and Utica College. Uh, Utica College, you went for sports communication. What did you go to MV for? Uh, management, actually. Management. Okay. I was a business management student out there, got to Utica, put in a semester in the same program, and mm. I had started working in the college radio station that fall doing particularly hockey, and that interview actually went very, very quickly once yeah. the advisor knew what I had done, where I had been. I had been going to Utica College hockey games ever since mm. the first the first available game date when I got on, mm. when I got here to go to college at MVCC, so... It was just one of those things. I stepped right into it, really fell in love with the discipline right away. And about mid-year, it was a struggle getting through that fall semester. I said to myself, you know what? I can either stick with this and be miserable or make a change and uh, give give it the old college try. And in hindsight, it was 100% the right move. So was there? There was so you went into sports communication, but did you always have a feeling that you wanted to do something along yes. those lines? Yeah, you always knew. One hundred and ten percent. I always <laughs> felt that way. You know what? Was uh, you know, you'd sit there growing up as a kid. You'd watch the Yankee games on TV. Yeah. You'd watch the Ranger games on TV. You'd watch the races. You'd watch you know the golf golf tournaments, which I still do to this day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, you, you sit there and you imagine what it would be like to put yourself in the shoes. Of a Joe Buck, of a Jim Nance, mm. Mm. of a Mike Tirico. 
Yeah. And you never quite think it could ever happen to you. <laughs> but then you're afforded this opportunity in college, college radio, where just about anything goes, anything yeah. can happen. And everything, the, the trajectory of your life can just change in an instant if you've got the presence and you've got the tools to really be successful mentally. Now, were you a hockey fan before you started getting into calling the games? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you never play hockey? I just never got an opportunity yeah. to play. That's correct. I, I, see, I like hockey. See, hockey is an interesting sport for me. I get a lot of flack for this. A lot of the uh, Made in Utica people and a lot of people who listen to the show, uh, they're big fans of the Comets and they're big fans of the Rangers or... Hockey is one of those sports that I didn't... I'm a big sports guy, but for some reason, hockey never resonated with me the way that other sports did. So, now that I have a hockey guy here, how can you sell me on hockey? What am I missing? What am I missing on hockey that I'm not getting from my other sports? Well, I think it starts off with the collective energy. In other Mm. sports, you're leaving the same guys out there sometimes. Well, mind you, football, obviously, there's offense and defense, but... Yeah. You're leaving most of the same guys out there the duration of the game with hockey. It's a minute and done. Everybody's going out there. They're giving it their, giving it their mm-hmm. all. Every inch mm-hmm. of energy, every amount of energy they have, all the horsepower, it's all going into every yeah. single shift. There's a great deal of physicality. It's the one of the fastest moving games in the mm-hmm. world. I just think that the game in general has a lot to offer the general sports fan that maybe has never watched it before. Especially those that are looking for a fast-paced game that never really thought maybe hockey was that game, yeah. but it, in fact it is. One of the things I've noticed, at least with my uh, experiences with hockey over the years, of all the sports, I feel like hockey sometimes suffers the most from the translation to television because when I watch a hockey game live, you get a better grasp of the speed of the game, which I think is lost with the way the cameras move on TV and the way everything is so large in the scope of things. I don't know if you have any agreement with that, but yeah, absolutely. It's all about the point of reference, really. Yeah. There, so you're you're one hundred you're one hundred percent on point there. Mm. But uh, the other aspect of that too is sometimes on television, mind you, high definition was the greatest thing yes. ever to yes. happen to hockey telecasts. Yeah, Be, the it's a matter of being able to see the puck. When oh, you watch yeah. the game in standard def, there's a reason Fox tried that glow puck. The glow the, puck. Uh, I was not glad you brought that There's up. a reason okay. they tried it, because standard def just wasn't working out for the puck. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's one of the things I've noticed. Now that uh, hockey is more readily available in high definition, you can make more out of the game. I do enjoy watching it on TV more. Um, I think for me, I get, I get bogged down, because I watch so many sports sometimes. It's hard to give that much commitment to all these different sports. like I, Honestly, I've, I'm already sold off on baseball because I feel like the Yanks kind of blew their opportunity to make the playoffs. So I've already sort of committed to baseball. I'm done with baseball for the year. Like I just had to move on to something else. You know what? They reloaded. They shuffled the deck for the future. They gave it the old college try. I like I like what they did, actually. I think that was a good move. Um, I want to get into... Uh, so you're doing football commentary as well? Yes, I am right now. Utica College. I do high school football as well mm. on Friday nights on ESPN Radio. It's, mm. a, it's a new challenge every week. Now, what's the biggest difference you've noticed between uh, calling the, the football games and calling the hockey games? I'm sure there's a lot. but Well, there's obviously a little bit more dead time in a football game, right. a little bit more time to get your analyst involved. I think that that's the most mm. critical aspect of the hockey game. As I said before, trying to sell you on this whole thing. It moves so, so quickly. Fast, There's yeah. so little dead time. Mm. Whereas, look at a professional football game now. Just as an example, mind you, I think that it's almost taken to a little bit of hyperbole because of the influence of sponsorships, the influence yeah. of television. A football a football game at the NFL level is taking three and a half hours now. Yeah. 
it's I think that that gives you a sense of just how dif- different it really is from say doing a hockey game. I catch a lot of flack because I'm a I'm a uh, a football guy. When I say football guy, I mean soccer. I get a lot of flack for that. But one of the things people tell me about soccer is like, oh, it's so slow. How do you watch it? And I always tell them, well, the clock doesn't stop. The clock continues to run the whole time. Yes. There's no commercials. It's it's 45 minutes of constant play. Like whatever they're moving or not, the game is going on. Uh, for me with football, I went to go see the Bills a few years back, uh, and I remember sitting in the stands watching the Bills, and and the the game's not happening, and the clock's not running, and I'm and I look at my buddy, I go, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, it's a TV timeout." I'm like, "Oh, we're just sitting here, and nothing is going on because the TV's not back yet." That was the first time that I was like, "Oh man, it's weird how this game is played." <laughs> and meanwhile, they're attempt they're making some sad attempt to keep you entertained in the meantime, and it's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. going over with the fans well at all. See, the NBA is good like that. I went to a couple of Knicks games, and it w- and you know the Knicks games are only as good to watch as you can stand the Knicks. I'm a I'm a I'm a masochist, so I can watch the Knicks all the time. But when they go to commercial, it's it's pretty much a dance party at Madison Square Garden. They're shooting T-shirts into the crowd. You really don't have much time to be bored. <laughs> yeah, actually, one of the guys that shoots off the T-shirts and stuff into the crowd is a Utica native, I believe. Oh, I know him. That's my man, Steph Nemechek. Shout out yep. to Steph Nemechek. He gave us, uh, he shot us a couple T-shirts. I'm air quoting. You can't see it on the radio. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... But hockey, again, hockey is another one of those games that I think really benefits from seeing it live. And as the high def catches up to it, it'll just get better and yeah. better for people to watch. And even better once the transition's made to 4K. And I think yeah. you're starting to see some of the next wave of what's going to happen with hockey telecasts for the next 5, 10 years. You're seeing it right now with some of the World Cup of Hockey telecasts mm-hmm. on ESPN. Mm-hmm. You're getting the helmet-mounted cameras now from the referees. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big things that's changed up. And then I think um, in terms of sponsorship sales and being able to monetize this even further... Mm-hmm. You're seeing television networks now, well, ESPN's experimenting with it with this World Cup of Hockey. They're dubbing ads over the boards now, yeah. kind of like green screening them, which <laughs> I found very fascinating. Um, and that's one of the things I think is strange, too, is how much advertising is going to be a part of the game going forward. As a, Again, as a guy who likes soccer, it's already part of the game. The jerseys have the logos of the company who sponsors them larger than the size of the team. But I'll take that because there's no commercials. I'll sit there and look at my team wearing a jersey that says standard charter if it means that I don't have to sit through 10 minutes of commercials in the first half. It's a fine trade-off for me. And I think that maybe you might actually... I don't think Americans will do it because Americans like money a lot and they'll just put the ads on and then still go to commercial because they can already do it and make <laughs> double that money. But that's, that's, that's a whole other offshoot. Um, I want to bring up something to you because you talked a little bit about broadcasters uh, earlier. You talked about Joe Buck. You talked about a lot of guys... Uh, I'll be nice to step in their shoes, Mike Tirico. Growing up for me, the first, uh, my first experience of being inspired by a broadcaster was I used to listen to the Yankee games on the radio with uh, John Sterling and Charlie Steiner. Uh, and growing up, their voices and listening to baseball on the radio, there was a, a weird beauty to it, the way it was presented. Baseball is another sport with lots of downtime, so you can build a little bit more narrative. You have more freedom to talk, and I loved listening to it. Was there, like, a broadcaster who did that for you growing up, like someone who you always think of when you go back to it? I think maybe, if anything, because it took me a little bit of time to really develop a concept of what I felt a good telecast was, but mm-hmm. I think the one that comes to mind right away, and this is a name that's not going to shock anybody when I toss <laughs> this one out there, Mike Emmerich, easily. Yeah. Okay. His vocabulary, mm-hmm. his energy, that's what I want to deliver. Yeah. I, I took... You know, it took Wonderful. me a little bit, little bit of time to really grasp what he was trying to do. 
you know, when the NHL first went on NBC for the first time. Mind you, we had been doing games long before that. But it took me just a short little while. But once I realized, you know, here's a guy that gets it. Here's a guy that wants to deliver the best possible experience for the listener. I realized, you know what, that's it. That's what I want it to sound like. And that's what I've really tried to apply in my own career, I think. Um, I got to say, too, uh, I'm impressed by how much sports knowledge you cover. Would you say, is there any sport you don't currently do broadcasting for that you'd like to take a shot at? Golf. Golf. Easily golf. Yeah, golf. (laughs) Because it's like baseball in a sense. You're constantly just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, if you had to do it quiet, it's got to be like this. you got to have that. Hey, he's getting ready to. I don't know. I feel like every golf guy does that. That's the thing. I believe right? that's called a Kraken, Bruce. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so I'm going to assume, uh, I, I I don't normally ask questions like this question. This I, I gave this one to you since you seem like you're a sports guy, and I'm a sports guy, so we'll go into this. Uh, I'm going to assume hockey's number one, but give me your top five personal sports for you if you're ranking your sports. It's a tough question, I know. Well, hockey, Hockey clear it out of the way. (laughs) I would probably go college football number two. College football, nice. Number three, baseball. Mm. Number four, golf. Mm. And number five, I think, because I'm not going to consider wrestling a sport. I I consider it a television show. (laughs) You know, it's the proper proper way to treat it. That's fair, you're right. That's true. Number five is actually, I think, going to come across surprising. I probably should throw track and field in here somewhere, too. But... If I had to grab another sport into the mix, hmm. who am I kidding? I'd have to grab two. Curling and field hockey. Curling and field hockey. Yes. See, curling is interesting because there is a lot of people curling locally. I don't know much about field hockey, though. I only see it like, on the college level. I don't even understand how the concept of the game is played sometimes. I think Very to, a, to a certain extent, the concept of the game is ruined by the way that it's often played on the high school level where mm. a lot of teams and stuff are forced because of just cost constraints to play on natural grass fields the oh, game yeah. moves so slow you play that game on a pure astroturf field mm. that's nice and smooth where the ball can carry mm. and you get some fast athletes out there it's an exceptionally fun game to watch hmm. interesting i'm have to use my research on field hockey here uh Ray, uh, we're going to get into the lightning round section here. Uh, before we do, where can people uh, find you? Uh, you're obviously calling all of the Utica, Utica College football and hockey games. That's on ESPN Radio. Uh, you're the voice of the Blue Sox. People can go to d3hockey.com. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter. Is yes, it, they can. At d3hkybiggsy. Yes, correct. Boom. See, I got it. It's not bad. Anywhere yep. else I'm missing Big Z, of course, at the end of that one. <laughs> uh, that actually came straight from the Utica College hockey coaching staff. Big Z? It's good. I'm yep. Sorry. It's a, it's a hockey player thing. It's a hockey coach thing. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, before we get into uh, the writing round, I want to bring this up. I have a rare opportunity. Last week on the show, uh, when we were doing uh, episode 65, uh, we talked a lot about public speaking uh, and how a lot of people find public speaking to be very disconcerting. Uh, and I'm curious, you do a lot of broadcasting. Was this did, did this come naturally to you, or did you have fear initially? There was a little bit of fear initially, I yeah. think. Anybody that says that they don't have a pit in their stomach, the mm. first time they hear that bumper music and it's time to go live, yeah. anybody who says they don't have a pit in their stomach is yeah. lying. <laughs> and they're <laughs> lying through their teeth. Mm. Because the fact of the matter is the build-up to a game, especially you know, at the college level where I really feel a special mm. responsibility to step up and deliver a good product, 
the three, four hours leading up to game time, yeah. it's a constant mental mess. It's just, yeah. it's chaos. Mm -hmm. You got to get the equipment set up. You think you have less time than you, you think you have less time than you actually have sometimes. I feel like that's always been a little <laughs> bit of a concern on my end. I've tried to really methodize my prep and those couple hours up to a game over the course of the years, I think that that's been a big help. But yeah, certainly the first time you step into that booth, it is the most nerve-wracking experience in your life, even if you've done public speaking for hours on end. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, it's fair because like we talked a lot of this. I do the podcast every week, and I sometimes take for granted that people get nervous about public speaking. And I... But there's a lot of people who are even in positions where they're talking in public speaking. It's probably not something they were always comfortable with. And I'm, I was just curious what your take was on it. So, yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what. Even four or five years down the line, do I still get occasionally get a little oh, nervous yeah. out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ab absolutely. And it's uh, just means you're alive. <laughs> yeah, it, abso <laughs> it, it absolutely does. It means you've got a pulse. It's me it means everything is working the way it's supposed to. But... Yeah, <laughs> it exists. I know it's my mind just kind of kind of blank there actually. <laughs> All right, well that's okay. Let's uh, let's get into lightning round questions. These are the same five questions we have been asking for the last oh fifteen or so episodes because I didn't think about it until then. First question, uh, Raven Biggs, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Any way that's caffeinated. Any way that's caffeinated. No specific way. I've got one right here right now. It's black. I'll drink it with cream, sugar, flavored creamer. Bring it on. I like your style. Irish cream. <laughs> well, there you go. Depends on what day of the week it is. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so uh, growing up, what was your first automobile? I still don't technically have one. Wow. <laughs> Driving a Nissan Versa at the moment. Nice. So you're just doing like the public transit kind of style? Yeah, for the most part, so driving driving my grandmother's car for about a month longer until I hit that 25, and then I'm finally going to get my own. It just was a matter of, yeah. when I worked in the summers in college, yeah. almost all my money went to books. Oh, yeah, so there really so wasn't good. a whole lot left over, and I felt my primary job yeah. there was to go to school. Yeah. So I'm finally getting caught up on that aspect. Yeah. This grad school is reminding me how expensive books are. I forgot that was a thing. I was like, oh, that's right. Books are expensive. Um, so uh, where did you go to see your first concert? Oh my goodness! Now there's uh, th that one. I'm gonna have to give some thought to. I believe, <laughs> honestly, my first real concert didn't happen until I was probably 16, 17 years old. Went sure. to go see some Led Zeppelin tribute band over nice. at the Kipsy. That's a good way to start, man. Led Zeppelin tribute band is always solid. I get yes. behind it. There's one that came to the brewery this year who was yes, awesome. Yes, I was there. Yeah, yeah excellent. See, I was at the Dropkick Murphy show last week as well. Oh, nice! I, I can't I, pass up a good punk rock show. I like to hear that. Uh, well, let's get into that then. Uh, next question. Uh, give me one book, album, or movie you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, well, I'm actually going to go White Light, White Heat, White Trash by Social Distortion. Mm. They, the album actually dropped this week 20 years ago. Yeah, Social D. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Mike Ness, a lot of Social Distortion. My, my website staff got me into it last <laughs> year, and... I really haven't switched out of that mode since. I mean, I listen to the Zep, but... Yeah, it's a lot of punk rock. It's a lot of classic rock for me. And oh, anything nice. else I feel fits, Billy Joel. <laughs> Billy Joel, that's fair. I'm, I'm into that, too. I'm eclectic. We'll get into that afterward on here. And I have one more question for you, Ray, before we let you go. And again, I want to thank you for taking the time to come and do this. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, Ray, besides sports, punk rock, and coffee any way you can get it, what is something else that you are passionate about? I'm... Where do I go with this? I'm going to go with fishing. 
fishing, really. Interesting. Yeah, I spend a lot of time in the off season Wonderful. fishing the local waters. I'll go up north with my buddy David. We'll take the canoe out. Those are oh, nice, probably man. the best days I have all year. Pond hockey is another passion as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Ray, listen, again, it's a real pleasure. You can listen to Ray for every Utica College football and hockey game on ESPN Radio. Uh, go to d3hockey.com to check out all of his fine work and hear him as the voice of the Blue Sox. Again, real pleasure. And we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Yes, so here's some, some relevant information about the one and only Ray Biggs, who uh, it was a real pleasure to have him on the show. Great guy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, D3HKY Biggsy, D3 Hockey Biggsy. Uh, he was a great interview. I like talking to broadcast people. I, he was, I, find, I liked Ray Biggs. He was a really nice dude. Yeah. He was interesting. Mm. You can hear him all the time. He's the voice of uh, college football. I've heard him. He does a good job. He's really good. He does a good job. Uh, He's got a good reputation amongst... I know some people that go to UC that are pretty big into UC athletics. He's got a good reputation amongst those people as doing a good job and being a good guy. So they seem to like him a lot over there in the target demographic. Yeah, when uh, when I brought his name up to a couple people who follow... Uh, follow you to college hockey specifically. They were very excited that he was being on the show. He was on the show, and uh, and I was actually I got excited because of that because so many people were like, "Yeah, he's this is the guy." I'm like, "Yes, all right, yeah, Ray Biggs." I should bring him back for a for the lads. Hey, I should also bring back for the lads. You should bring back for the lads. <laughs> I should bring you know back what have you been missing? Hmm. What have you been mi- for the lads? You've been missing for the lads. Yeah, uh, I know, I know, guys. I have no time. I know. Spread so thin. I know. All right, you guys ready for this week's? History lesson? Tell me about it. All right, well, first off, I need to talk to you guys about something. The last few history lessons, I realized that this show airs on Tuesdays, and I've been reading the history lessons I've been learning on Mondays. So you can start calling <laughs> it yesterday's <laughs> history today. Yesterday's history. <laughs> so this, this actually is history from today, uh, September 27th, 1939. Again, sort of a somber one. Today was the day, 1939, that Poland surrendered. On this day, 140,000 Polish troops were taken prisoner by the German invaders at Warsaw, uh, surrendering to the superior mechanized forces of Hitler's army. Uh, Hitler, as you know, famed failed artist. Uh, the Poles fought bravely, but were only able to hold on for 26 days. On the heels of its victory, the Germans began a systematic program of terror, murder, and cruelty, executing members of Poland's middle upper class before accepting new member Donald Trump in 1973. Uh, so, history lesson for the day, guys. How long have you had that little Trump jab written today? Like, at what time today? Did that jab come That was off the cuff. 6.09 a.m. And he woke up at 6.08. That was off the cuff, guys. Sometimes I can do stuff off the cuff. Uh, So, yeah. You guys like History Lesson today? You want to keep bringing it? I like History Lesson. I do. think you should call it Yesterday's History Today. Keep giving Monday's History Facts. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) Keep giving Monday's Fact of the Day. All right. Maybe I'll go back to doing Either that or History Fact of the Century of the Week. That's really good as well. Uh, So, guys, here's another little history. This is a little more recent history. Uh, Last Friday uh, marked the 25th anniversary of the seminal Nirvana classic album, Nevermind. Um, I think even people today are consciously aware of Nirvana, right? People are more conscious, and I won't say more conscious than ever, certainly, but Nirvana has entered um, that rarefied era of, like, licensed bands, Mm. This is something I've only caught out on the edges of the internet, but like young kids now, like high school kids, 
they talk about Nirvana the way that maybe we talked about uh, like sort of like a Pink Floyd type thing when we were in high school. Like all the young kids that are like edgy and cool. Like I just listen to Nirvana, man. Like you don't even know about Nirvana. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And they sell tons of t-shirts. You'll see tons of young kids with like that classic X'd out smiley face logo and all that mm-hmm. different stuff. And it's become one of those like edgy bands that young kids, you know how like when you're young you latch on to bands to prove that your musical taste is superior? Yes, of course. Absolutely, right? It's, yeah. they, they were one of those bands. Still do that. Yeah, I still do that. It's part of the course, man. That's yeah. just growing up, yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's really fascinating to me because I do have a theory that I wanted to present to you guys. Uh, and it ties into a little bit what you're talking about. I've always sort of believed that there's a weird connection between, like, the big classic rock bands and the big grunge rock bands. Of uh, I, I think of the big four as Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Alice in Chains. Fair. Uh, I always think of Nirvana as the Beatles. That's mm-hmm. the, the classic rock connection. I think of Pearl Jam as the Who. Now, maybe that's just me being, like supplanting my bias for both those bands on each other, but that's, that's fair, that's fair. I, uh, see, I see what you mean. I think of... Not sound, to say necessarily these bands sound like each other, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Soundgarden is Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, and Alice in Chains is Pink Floyd. I was trying to find a Rolling Stones, maybe Stone Temple Pilots? No? No. No, I think if anything, you probably... Uh, I don't want to do it because I'm not a huge Stones guy, but probably Pearl Jam and the Stones. Pearl Jam and the Stones? Because well, if, you if you're trying to just draw comparisons out of thin air to things, you know, back in mm. the day, the Beatles and the Stones were like as one or the other. And during the grunge era, it was like Nirvana or Pearl Jam, like the big mm. two, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. As much as we want them to be the who, it's probably not them. Yeah, it's fair. That's probably fair. not them. Uh, I was a notorious Nirvana, kind of like... I was on that Pearl Jam side of the Pearl Jam oh, versus Nirvana argument. Well, because Pearl Jam's a better band. They always have That's been. That's a fair point and a true point. Uh, Cliff, though, did you, did you have like a Nirvana thing growing up? Were you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also later in my life became a big Stone Temple Pilots fan and a big uh, Alice in Chains fan, oh, okay. which is weird. Probably more so Stone Temple Pilots, and we're talking late in life. You are. Like, I remember yeah. I remember when Scott Weiland died. I rem- you, yeah. you are the biggest Stone Temple Pilots fan that I know. Yeah, definitely. Oh, plus the man upstairs. That's true. That's, he, yeah. he who shall not be you named. Know, yeah, the man upstairs and I. That's We vibe on Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, December 4th. What a tragedy. Yo, true story. I uh, I kind of brushed my shoulder off at Stone Temple Pilots. I was like, oh, yeah. Aye. I liked that better the first time I heard it when Pearl Jam wrote it. Oh. Do you know what yeah, I mean? But like, that's like, right, that's, right. that's snarky condescending shit. And I do it the same exact same thing it's not wrong though so like if you created a depth chart of grunge pinnacle bands like stone temple pilots is last maybe Soundgarden. i always remember and i'd like to say you know real quick for all the you know we have a couple listeners who are maybe a generation older than us we also understand that bands like mud honey and screaming trees and all that were also grunge (laughs) we're talking about mtv grunge Yeah, Um, yeah for sure but I think that uh, there was a joke that was made back when David Spade used to do the weekend update on Saturday Night Live. He made a joke where he said something like, you know, something, something, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, this and that. And uh, I liked them better when they were called Pearl Jam. Oh, boom. Ah, and so like, basically them being a watered down Pearl Jam thing, I totally buy. If you go back and listen to Stone Temple Pilots, they're actually much better musicians than they get credit for. But yeah. I have a number of takes on Nirvana. So let me know when you're ready for those. Yeah, I have, well, a, let's I have a number of takes. Let's get into Nirvana. I know okay. you have an agenda. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, let's yeah, get, no, let's no, get no. into Nirvana. We can get Nirvana. Literally, I love Nirvana. Yeah, let's I'm, hear about it. I'm literally looking at the physical written copy of your agenda. Don't tell me you don't have an agenda. Tell me I how you feel. We might, we might come to odds here. Tell me about how I you feel about Nirvana. I have many takes, uh, varying levels of hotness on the Ooh. takes. Uh, number one, 
plain, full stop, Nirvana is an overrated band. Mm. Okay. I think everybody can agree with that. I think that that's fair. I think that if you can't entertain that notion, you're being intellectually dishonest. That's not to say that they're a bad band. They're overrated. Um, okay. We've been talking a lot lately about bands who, like, as they got older, they started putting out worse and worse stuff, and it makes you not pay attention to their earlier stuff as much. If you didn't think that would have happened to Kurt Cobain, you're out of your mind. Yeah, for um, sure. Number two, the album Bleach, their debut album. It's got a couple of neat little tracks on it, but for the most part, the album as a whole is garbage. Uh, and not mm. just because the production value is terrible, because I like a lot of like you know a lot of punk music and stuff where the production value is very bad. Any records, different stuff. A lot of that album just isn't that good. Mm. It's like you know being a weirdo for being a weirdo's sake. It does have some great tracks on it. Uh, Nevermind is a classic. It's yes. almost perfect front to back. The production's incredible. The songwriting's incredible. Um, and all the rest of their catalog after that is all pretty good but still just overrated, and I'd take Pearl Jam any day of the week. Yeah, uh, I think I was too, I'm too bored in on the Pearl Jam side to ever go back over. Sure. Although my, my view on Nirvana has softened a little bit in the last few years because I do sort of like yeah, Inutero, Inutero, whatever it's called, yeah, the Inutero, one after yeah. Nevermind. Yeah. I think that's a really good album, and people don't talk about <clears throat> it as much. I kind of like that better than Nevermind. I think that album is pretty good, but it's also got more misses than Nevermind. It's become yeah, very yeah. in vogue to be like, nah, man, I like yeah. Inutero. Like, forget Nevermind. Nevermind is in that rarefied era of albums where it's like strong from front to back. There's mm. not really any misses. They go back to that having like some real like sort of weirdo songs on In Utero. It's still much better than Bleach. Uh, does everybody have a favorite underrated Nirvana song? They don't think it's enough play. That's a Nirvana song. I feel like I like All Apologies a lot, but that's not underrated. It's like a common Nirvana song. Yeah, you can song. say that, though, because it's not Smells Like Teen Spirit. Anything besides Smells Like Teen Spirit is an okay answer here. Lithium, really? Lithium for, is for pretty the good. Most part. Lithium, Lithium is a great, great call. Yeah. Lithium would be my number two for underrated songs. Cliff, what do you say? You seem like you've got takes. Uh, yeah, I got some takes. Uh, so, underrated Nirvana song. Um, I really love that Unplugged record. I yes. think that it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it shows their ability as a band because the Unplugged record is the opposite of who they were as a band. Um, Agreed. So, Something in the Way, Unplugged. Yeah. yeah. Is really really beautiful. So is Man Who Sold the World. Man Another great. Oh album. yes, yes, that one yeah. is awesome. I think Absolutely. that that unplugged album is probably my most listened to Nirvana these days in my life. I probably yeah. reached to that more than almost. Every yeah, day. you got to remember there was an era when people actually had books full of CDs. Yeah, and that album was always in your 250 CD collection book. Sure. You would find. I've it. still got CD books. I never pull them out anymore, but they're still in a box. <laughs> they somewhere. exist somewhere. All right. So in in the in the hot take realm here, I got to say there's a couple of things. One. Nirvana's overrated, maybe. I'll take overrated because they are rated so highly. Because tragedy struck and people well, that's, that's what underrated make, him a uh, make him a deity. And I understand that that's not necessarily true. I totally get it. That being said, the like they completely changed popular music. Well, with I, one fell swoop. you made so you 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 make a good point that I was about to mm. say when you're at the end of it, and that's exactly it. Is that their cultural impact is not overrated? Yeah, no. Them as a musical entity, a little Fair overrated enough. for sure. You know? Absolutely. And like I said, that's not to say they're bad, but do I think they're in the top ten greatest bands of all time? Absolutely not. Do I think they're top twenty? Nah, I can still probably find twenty bands I like better. Yeah, you know what I mean. I guess if you're going talent wise, like that's a conversation to have. But uh, I think like when it I think impact means a lot. Yeah, cultural impact for it sure. Means a lot. Yeah. Uh, my under my choice for underrated Nirvana song. Uh, the song is called "On a Plane." Yeah, on a plane. Yep. It's on yeah. Nevermind. Yeah, that's a really under, that's yeah. a really good song. Yeah, that's a really good song. Um, 
So we're going <laughs> to stick with this sort of throwback theme for our final segment here today. And we'll give you, uh, surprise, surprise, a quantifying story before we get into this segment. Uh, earlier this week, I had to make a slide to present myself to this, uh, the people I work with as a new employee so they get to know a little bit about me. I needed to put a picture of myself on this slide. Now, the people I have to present this to are high school age kids. Did right? you give them that, that famous picture of you leaning forward into the camera with one hand tousling your hair while you look pensive? I thought about it and then <laughs> chose. Anybody who wants to see those, go look at Sam's profile pictures album. <laughs> you will see 20 of them. Anyhow, don't do that. <laughs> Anyhow, Anyhow. Nobody do that. <laughs> uh, so as I'm putting, uh, I, I go to Google Images because you can't really get many websites because I work in a school that's like everything's blocked. So you can go yeah. to Google Images and I typed in my name, you know, Sam Fimolaro, pressed enter. And lo and behold, a photo came up for me when we were playing in the band back Ooh. in the day uh, when I had a tight uh, polo shirt on and, like, the mutton chops, like, the big, huge mutton chops but no beard and, like, the mushroom haircut and big, giant uh, pants and skateboarding sneakers. And I got made fun of by the millennials. They made oh, fun yeah. of me. Wow. Yeah, they, they got yeah, me roasted. Got roasted by yeah, children. Roos, roasted yep. by the ruthless children. Yeah. What did they have to say about you? Call me nerd. Hey! Yeah, nerd, nerd, nerdlinger, nerdzilla. Yeah, they call me all sorts of mean stuff. My no, uh, but it did Should get have found me. your safe space. But I did, I did. No, I, I told them. I said, listen, you guys are gonna look back at one day and look at all the stuff you got, and you're. I would start roasting them right there, but like you in there. those shoes, yeah, you in that haircut. <laughs> like I see you with the calf socks and the mesh shorts and the flip flops on. That's not oh, a real yeah. outfit. <laughs> Put on some pants, kid. Uh, it yeah. is funny, though, because those kids wear the high socks now, and you would have gotten fucking laughed out of the school. It's true. Laughed out of the school it's wearing true. high socks. It's true. However, uh, I did go back and do some research as a uh, capital P, lowercase j, professional journalist uh, on some of the more embarrassing trends of the late 90s and early 2000s so that we can reminisce about things uh, that may come around again and be cool in like 10 years. Let's right? everybody be honest here. Oh, I'll be a very well, Cliff, you can say whatever you want because we didn't know you. Me and Sam have been friends for long enough. you got to be honest. Not too much space to hide. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm going to start uh, right off the bat with the worst fashion trend that I personally ever fell victim to, and that was frosted hair tips. Oh, that's uh, a look. My buddy, my buddy Chris Sperling came over to my house one day uh, with frosted tips that his mom did for him, but she did it in like a cool checkerboard pattern. He looked like a punk rocker. Right? Oh. Uh, so I saw that, and I said, oh, man. I need to get some of that action, right? That's what I need. I need to have my tips frosted. Yeah, so my, you used to frost them tips. Frost them tips. So my mom brought me to, like, Clips on Genesee Street, mm -hmm. and they frosted my tips for me. And <laughs> let me tell you, there's some photos that I had to get rid of. Yeah. It's a bad look. Yeah. It's also fair to say a couple years' worth of photos. Like, this isn't, like, one time to I, learn the lesson. Oh, I had to clear out all the history. Stay in frosted. Yeah, yeah. yeah frosted tips. That's uh, one. Never have I ever frosted the tips. Never ever? Never. You? Never have I ever. It was a hot look in the NSYNC era. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah NSYNC era. Timberlake so had, probably got some playoffs. Timberlake had frosted sure. tips. Yeah, but Go you didn't have the curls, though. Or the talent. Well, I don't. I won't say that. Not that kind of talent. Sing, please, you can please. dance. Timberlake is a. He's a five. He's a five star tool. He's player. a five he's tool prospect. Five tool prospect. He's got it all. You're four point nine at uh, worst. Let me throw one up here that Cliff gave me when I asked him about this earlier this week. You just said big giant pants. Big giant pants. Big giant pants. Mm. Those pants were far too large. And you're referring to like the Jinko Pepe style pants. One hundred percent. Yeah, the big 100%. giant. Not even just like baggy jeans, which was the style, but like the big. Like, I did it pipes. all. I did it all. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Pipes and then. Like, 
like that because the pipes are the way way too large ones but also like the slightly toned down but still way too large ones <laughs> where where do you where do you fall on the boot cut pants those were hot for a while too boot cut jeans uh, you know i can't say never yeah no because boot cut and flared was different flared's like bell bottoms boot right. cut I think that's pretty much all they were selling yeah. for a stretch there. And, like, boots were really A lot popular. of times you don't have a choice. True. Sometimes you just don't have a choice. I got a tough time with boot-cut pants now. I see the boot-cut pants, I'm like, mm, it's a tough one. I don't mess with them. I, I got to tell you. Uh, all right, how about this one? This is for the ladies. I looked this one up, so I don't know if this is a real thing. Lace-up shirts with the big lace-up tie in the front. Ooh, I don't know. Bring them back. I don't remember that one. <laughs> Bring them back. I can't live without uh, them. This is a broader one. This is just wrist gear in general. I remember there was an era where I had just a leather band, like a leather strap. No, I think people still wearing wrist gear. Like two wrist weeks gear? ago. The style. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to talk about your personal oh, sorry, life. Sorry. Oh, well. Hey, <laughs> see what I mean? Look out. See right. what it did? Well, what about like just tons of plastic wristbands when we were in the in the early 2000s that was the thing to have like 90 different plastic bands of different colors yeah, i think it just i i think riskier is always a thing i think it just changes probably yeah, it's been replaced you know what's been replaced by apple watch <laughs> nice try nerd <laughs> no no not the apple watch the uh the like festival wristband yeah that's the new oh, that's the, that's the new wristband. yeah that's the new plastic wristband the new leather wristband it's a festival oh, wristband. for people that are old enough but i think the kids are still wearing stuff now you know what replaced it is the live strong style bracelet mm. that's true that's the rubber uh, the yeah. rubber lives live yeah. strong style bracelet yeah. replaced those you don't know like uh, whenever you see the rubber bra- i still wear the rubber bracelet but the, yeah, we have yeah. the one for jay but i had a live strong bracelet live strong bracelet Same. was a hot fashion item when it came out i might bring it back it was the first and only. <laughs> well, Lance Armstrong ruined that for everybody. No, fuck that. Lance Armstrong's yeah. the man. All right, guys, we've used our <laughs> F quota today. Oh, Everyone's sorry. Everyone's used oh. one. Oh, we got to call off the oh, F today. That's it. Do we? Uh, we uh, well, yeah, right. Just let's. We don't want to get dropped <laughs> from the network. Uh, all right, so here's another one here, uh, and we're all going to raise our hands at this one. We all had trucker hats, right? No. I had a trucker hat. Nope. I'll say yeah. You did? You, you sure. seem like you had a trucker sure. hat. Sure. Sam had, I'll tell you, trucker hats, um, luckily I'm saved by the bell on this one because my head is too big for hats. Mm. Uh, trucker hats simply yeah, were not yeah, large enough to yeah. accommodate my <clears throat> colossal head. Um, Sam used to have a trucker hat Yep, that said some words on the front. Oh, an inappropriate trucker hat that my sister... Oh, yeah, my did sister, you? My sister bought me an inappropriate trucker hat for my graduation from high school, uh-huh. and she made me open it in front of my grandmother. What did it say? It said... I heart HJs. Uh, uh, but it was a full word. Full word. Full word. I heart HJs. Why so. don't you still have it? You know Did what? Did you stop loving them? I never stopped loving them. See? But somewhere along the way. As you get older, yeah, to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, somewhere along the way, that hat found its way through comedic appeal to someone else, and it's probably lived another life past me. Someone else has that hat, and it's probably been the subject of many jokes, and I hope it'll live on in infamy. I'm going to go way forward. back. I'm going to go way back on you guys. Uh, I may or may not have at least on one occasion wore my clothes backwards to school. Oh, Chris Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now I was just um, a young, young kid. Probably got away with it one time before my parents put the kibosh on that one, but maybe I switched on the way to school on the bus. You don't know. I got one for you that I fell victim to. Uh, this was a late 90s classic. Uh, the mock turtleneck or turtleneck sweater, specifically the ribbed turtleneck sweatshirt, uh, sweater. The Carl Sagan? Yeah, the Carl, the Carl Sagan. Sagan. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just a, a tight turtleneck ribbed with just a little turtleneck. That was a good look. Nice. It was very Italian. <laughs> very Italian. Uh, I, again, no. Not you. Not no. you. 
No. Well, you're, you're going to get me on one of these. Oh, I'm going to get you on pyramid belts. Let's talk about pyramid belts. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, for sure. But no, I, I think that that is <laughs> that's entirely different because like, you're a punk rock Here kid playing in a punk rock band. That's like a... I don't, was everybody wearing those or was it just like the we, kids in the scene? Uh, I saw We were people. kids in the scene, though. We were kids. All in the, the kids we hung out with Every, were kids in the scene. We all had that same belt. Absolutely. I was well outside the scene. You still you, go. You still go yeah. to a metal. And show. you had a pyramid belt. Oh no, no pyramid belt oh, for you. Geez, what do I have use for that? For? Maybe that was a genre specific trend. Pyramid belt. Oh, you still yes, see pyramid yeah. belts now. Yeah. All right, and then uh, this is one. It's sort of a timeless fashion faux pas that comes in and out of glory. Let's talk about fedoras for a second. Uh, fedoras were in fashion in the early 2000s for a while and then back out of fashion and now it seems like they sort of come again, right? Yeah. No, they're, they're sort of the punchline now. Like, fedora is the big joke. Like, That's uh, a shame. Fedoras and stuff. You have to be a very certain type of person. You have to have a very certain type of look and you have to pull it off. It's a hard look. To, if you pull it off right, you can pull it off, but that is not for every man. No, yeah. you really got to commit to it. That is not for every man. Yeah. Like, you have to really be able to make it work. Mm. You, are you a fedora guy, Cliff? You seem like I you're defending. I would be. I would be, absolutely. But I know the risks you take when you leave the house in a fedora. I prefer a pork pie hat, except Heisenberg ruined that for everybody, so yeah. now everyone thinks you're Heisenberg. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, last fashion question of the day. We'll close out on this one. Uh, what was the 90s or 2000s version of this white guy, Brad Pitt, from Fury Haircut Frosted that we tips. all have? Frosted tips? Frosted tips. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> specifically the same look, frosted tips, would just, for whatever reason, just the front of your hair spike. Oh, yeah, just spike. Yeah. That, that, that just was spike like the, in the front. Yeah, just that got like, like a little lick. The Ross Geller a little bit was sort of like sorta, that. Sort of, yeah, the, just, just of like the tin tin. Yeah, the tin tin, yeah. With just your bang yeah. spiked up and the rest of it pushed forward. Oh, man, there were some tough years. The Statue of Liberty look. I'm glad that, is, is excessive hair gel still exist? I don't see it as often anymore. You but just we, don't look for it. It's out there. Every single brand you ever used to touch still exists. All right, well, guys, I think we've um, we've run our course with fashion trends. Uh, Cliff, happy to have you back again this week. It's always nice to see you. It's a great pleasure. Uh, Don't follow Cliff on Twitter at always Cliff. He doesn't actually Cliff because he doesn't tweet. Uh, Again, Kev does not want your follows at underscore Kevin Sullivan. He's got enough. Uh, Do follow us at uh, at Uticast on Twitter. Go to Facebook, follow us, give us a like. We haven't gotten many likes on Facebook lately. Are you serious? Uh, we don't get it. Uh, We're not pushing it. Really. Don't push it. I'm as gonna hard. start pushing. Uh, send us an email. Try to get a mailbag show. Uticast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me at SF Doom. Uh, Cliff, uh, before you go, I, I stole your olive oil. It's on the counter when you leave oh. the house. Yeah, oh, it's okay. yours. Hey, we got two. Don't worry. You have two? Yeah. I stole it. Sorry. Okay. Oh, sorry.